Reminded that today is Hump Day. Uh, I, you know, I don't know what Hump Day actually is for for me. I have no clue. Um, it's never been Wednesday because my schedule is different than everybody else's schedule. Uh, uh, certainly, the middle of the five day work week, so we could call it Hump Day that way. And uh, so, happy Hump Day to those. You know, some of you are retired. Uh, and some of you are still working, so some it's hump day. Some that are in the medical nursing field, uh, it may not be hump day for you because you may find yourself also working on uh, uh, on Saturdays and Sundays. So um, it may not be hump day for you. For me, 
Uh, it's it's just another day, another grind. A lot going on. Much, much, much uh, that we're trying to give direction to. Uh, probably too much, actually. And uh, just thinking about that this morning, uh, some of us find ourselves stretched because we're running lots of different directions. And... You know, sometimes you wonder what, how, how fruitful you're actually being running all the different directions that you're running for very important reasons. Uh, some are running directions chasing after their parents, not like their parents are running away or anything like that, but more giving care uh, to your parents. Um, some of you are busy chasing your children all over to sporting events and things of that nature. Uh, then there are people like me who have, uh, you know, a couple different things going on uh, and uh, trying to get our house ready to be able to move in uh, and uh, trying to give direction here to to our ministry at Veracity, give some direction uh, and support to the New England Bible College ministry, um, as well as give support to uh, other local ministries like Neighborhood House uh, and Fairhaven Camps uh, and, and involved in lots of conversations with lots of people, lots happening. And uh, uh, so anyway, I just say all that to say whatever wh whatever hump day is for you, um, just be glad that, you know, the, 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 the bulk of the week is behind you and the uh, the, the downside slide of the week is in front of you and that Friday is coming uh, for those that, that run their life Monday through Friday and uh, just slide into that. Well, anyway, uh, enough about hump day. We need to get into the book of uh, Mark. We're in a fifth chapter. Jesus is, uh, has crossed the lake uh, in the beginning of the chapter. He went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And we might say, why did he go over to this place where among the tombs? Uh, and then, and we're going to read here shortly, he's going to get back in the boat and go back across the other side. Well, it's likely that Jesus knew he had a divine appointment. Uh, and, and however that works, I mean, do you believe in divine appointments? Would you pray for divine appointments? Do we look for God to be a work in those kinds of ways to uh, to put things in front of us? Uh, where we would speak on behalf of Jesus or where uh, we would connect with somebody about kingdom initiatives or, or all of those things. So um, Jesus knew he had this divine appointment. Now, I, I am, I am uh, I'm being somewhat uh, subjective in that. It, it doesn't say that in the text. But it, it, the question is, why else would he get in the boat, go over to that region, and then get right back in the boat and come back over again if he didn't believe that he had? And maybe he knew about this demoniac. Maybe he'd heard about this demoniac, uh, this this legion uh, in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, this man who had the legion of demons among him. And, um, and Jesus is like, I'm going to go over and see this guy. I'm going to go over and confront this guy. I'm going to go over and heal this guy. Perhaps Jesus had heard about him because he was probably an infamous, sordid type of fellow. Uh, and so Jesus just said, we're going to go there to this place to see this guy because uh, I have things I'm going to do in his life. So when I say 
you know, Jesus knew it wasn't that he knew necessarily, you know, in some uh, omniscient way, but he knew because of familiarity with the person, knew in familiarity, uh, familiarity with the, with the story, uh, and uh, decided to go over and to bring new life to this man who who had this legion of demons. And if you recall. Yesterday, we talked about legion, meaning several thousand, anywhere from a few to to several thousand. Uh, I think the number that Don gave us, the Roman legion was three to six thousand. Well, this guy had, you know, a legion of demons, so several thousand that were he was carrying about with him. Now we get down to verse 21, and we, we see Jesus back in the boat. It says, when he, when he had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was on the lake. People probably heard that Jesus was coming, and, and the news spread. And they said, Jesus is coming uh, back across the lake. And by the time Jesus even got to the shore, there was a large crowd that gathered around him. Verse 22 says, then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. And seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, my my little daughter's dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering and at once G- Jesus realized that power had gone out from him and he turned around to the crowd, and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, the disciples answered, and yet you asked, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened, came, uh, had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. Trembling with fear, she told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. And He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him, and after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha Kuhm, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and he told them to give her something to eat. Now, 
yeah, like telling them not to give orders is going to work. I mean, there are people who knew this girl had died or was sick and are going to see her walking around and go, what happened? They're going to tell people uh, what Jesus had done for them. Two things happen in this uh, narrative, at least two. Uh, two different healings take place. We see the woman who touched the hem of his garments, and we see this little girl uh, who was dead, if not near, if not dead, then near dead. And we read about the synagogue ruler, Jairus, coming, seeing Jesus, and in verse 22 it says he fell at his feet. How inclined are we to fall at the feet of Jesus? I mean, we like to we, we we like to keep life in order. We like to keep life strong. We like to act like we're under in control. And sometimes, what we need to do is like this man Jairus did. We need to fall at the feet of Jesus. Sometimes we we are at death's door. Sometimes somebody is at death's door. Sometimes in an organization, there are all kinds of things. Christian organizations, in particular. All kinds of difficulties that uh, that uh, organizations will have, and uh, the question is: Are we willing to fall at Jesus' feet? This is good for me today to to be reminded of of the need of falling at Jesus' feet, and uh, with the many things that that we are involved in, uh, Maine uh, Maine can be a challenging place of ministry uh, in in many different ways. Uh, New England and Maine in particular is is uh, an exceptionally hard place. Now, those of you that are Christians go, I don't see it. It's true. Uh, in fact, um, Maine is one of the least churched states uh, in the nation, uh, and we live in Waldo County, and Waldo County is is one of the least churched as well. And it isn't just about church; it's about relationship with Christ. Uh, and so, why why do I mention this this challenge? Because sometimes it's just hard plowing; it's just hard work. There are lots of rocks to pick up. When I was a kid on our farm, one of my spring jobs was to go out and walk the fields. Actually, I drove a tractor, but I had to get off the tractor and pick up rocks. Now. On good days, somebody else would drive the tractor, and I'd run all over the field and pick up rocks, lots of rocks. Maine has lots of rocks spiritually that we have to pick. There is lots of hard work to do in the state of Maine, and you know, uh, some sometimes uh, one can become weary of, of the work, uh, quite honestly, and think, in fact, I've had people say to me, why do you stay in Maine? Why don't you go someplace where, it's, where the work is a little easier? Uh, because the work here needs to be done. And some of you are plowing, some of you are planting, uh, some of you are asking the question of people, trying to point people to Christ. Why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because uh, of the need of falling at his feet. We fall at his feet for our parents. We fall at his feet for our children. We fall at his feet uh, for ministries. We fall at his feet for marriages. We fall at his... It, but the question is, are we at the place where Jairus was, where we would fall at the feet of Jesus? I mean, when is the last time, and I'm asking myself the same question I have 
cushions by my chairs over on this side of my office and um, asking myself, when's the last time I knelt down at those chairs? There is spiritual work to be done that will only be accomplished by spiritual means. And if, if, if we're not going to apply the spiritual means that the Lord has given to us, then why should we expect success? We can work, we can gather, we can plan, we can organize, we can do all these things. But friends, I, I want to suggest to you the most important thing that we need to get back to is learning to fall at the feet of Jesus, as this man did. And it says, not only did he fall at the feet of Jesus, it says he pleaded earnestly with him. And do we plead earnestly with the Lord for what, what it is that we need to bring before him? <clears throat> In this man's instance, the little daughter is dying. Please come put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live was, his, was what he was pleading with Jesus. So Jesus went with him. I mean, Jesus didn't say, well, you know, I, let me check my daytimer. Uh, those of you that some of you are old enough to remember daytimers, let me check my calendar and see what it says. No, Jesus simply went with him. And the crowd is pressing in upon him. Uh, we, we read in the text that the crowd is pressing in upon him. Uh, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. So 12 years of, of bleeding, hemorrhaging. Uh, she suffered a great deal under the care, went to a lots of different doctors, it says here in the text. Uh, and yet, and she spent a fortune Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. I mean, she had tried everything. She had spent her money. She had gone to doctor after doctor after doctor, and nobody was able to, to help her. She only grew worse. And it says in verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Now, look at the measure of faith that this woman has. I mean, it, it's it's pretty substantial. She didn't say, I need to have a conversation with him. Uh, she didn't need to say, I need to plead with him. She didn't need to say that, that you know, I, I, I need to, uh, you know, have an exam by him. She didn't say any of these things. She just simply said she believed if I can just get close enough to touch the edge of his garment, I will be healed. That was her faith. Uh, and again, going back to the the man, Jairus, who fell at Jesus' feet. And here we see this woman who's saying, if I can just touch the edge of his clothing, I will be healed. Some translations talk about the, the, the hem of his garment. This translation says, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Uh, she, I mean, is it enough for us? that we would just want to touch Jesus' cloak, that we would want to just touch. Where is our faith? You know, this is a good challenge for me. It's a good challenge for us today. Uh, your your elders of, of our church made some, uh, we, we made a lot of financial decisions last night out of necessity. And uh, uh, you'll hear more about that. Those of you that are part of the Veracity family will hear about uh, about that in the next few days, I'm sure. Um, and, uh, but the question is, what's our faith? What will our faith be like? Now there needs to be faith and action. Uh, 
There needs to be faith and evaluation. There needs to be faith uh, and uh, and obedience, faith in all these things. But but to look at these few people, you know, what did the Lord do for these people as a result of their faith? And so we look at our we look at ourselves and go, hmm, what is my faith like in my circumstance? Some of you are in that place. Where is your faith? Uh, where is, are, are you willing to trust God? Are you willing to bend the knee to God? Are you willing to get close enough to, to d- just touch the edge of his cloak, the edge of his garments, to trust God to do some things uh, on your behalf in this way? So I, I, I encourage you to think about uh, your role, your responsibility, my role, my responsibility in in falling at the feet of Jesus and actually physically kneeling before him. Um, or in a case of this woman, uh, to, to have the faith to touch the edge of his garment. How is your faith these days? Are, are you in a place where, where you have a faith that will carry you through the storms of life? Are you, are you in a place where you have the type of faith that will, um, that will get you through the challenging seasons? We're called to have that faith. I am reminded in my own life to have that type of faith. So I want to read some of the comments there. Just a few years ago, the doctor told me I needed knee surgery. I had a Sunday morning service. Caleb anointed me with oil, laid hands on my knee, and healed. And God healed my knee. I have not, I have not had to have surgery. I praise God for his faithfulness and healing today. Testimony. And, you know, some would say, well, I don't know about doing things like that. Wait a minute. Hold on. Time out. <clears throat> Those that, that would be the naysayers of this. James chapter 5 tells us that that is exactly what we are supposed to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. To, uh, as it were, call on the elders of the church. Uh, let me let me take you into James chapter 5 and, and show you what James chapter 5 has to say. Um, we have to deal with the scripture. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Uh, is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call on the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up and if he has sinned, he'll be forgiven. Now it goes on, it talks about confessing your sins to each other, praying for each other so that you might be healed. I mean, the, the call for prayer, the call for anointing with oil, it, this prescript is given right here in uh, uh, in James chapter 5. And, and, and so for those that would say, well, I don't know about, this is a testimony. There was obedience uh, applied to the scripture, and, and here's a wonderful, wonderful testimony uh, that we read about in the comments, and it goes on. This is when I sat at the doctor's office. She told me I told her I was gonna going to go home and talk to God about it first. The doctor and I never talked about it again, and uh, God's healing hand, God's faithfulness to to touch His people, uh, and again, I mean we are. We are given the example of this 
type of faith uh, and and we we ask ourselves what what is the level of our faith what what are we doing uh, are we falling at the feet of Jesus someone would say well I'm not going to do that that's that's too you know I, I don't know about all that hocus pocus or then there's Christians even Christians who would say uh, I don't know here's the example to fall at his feet to touch the hem of his garment, to have the faith to just come to God and say, God, I'm going to believe you for. And what what do you need to believe God for today? What do you need to trust God for today? What do you need to, to, to uh, what would you do to fall at his feet? What would you do to to touch the uh, edge of his garment? I, I, I don't know specifically what your need might be today. All I know is in this account, we see Jesus responding to people's needs uh, we see Jesus uh, healing a little girl. We see Jesus healing this woman. Now, now let's dive in a little deeper into the occasions. As Jesus was on the way to see the girl, that's when the woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years touched the edge of his cloak. Now, in verse 30, it says this. Verse 30, it says, Jesus, let me put this up so you can see it. Jesus says at once, Jesus realized power had gone out from him. He turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? He knew the power had gone out. Now, this idea of of the power being drawn out, um, some would say, well, do you ever feel that way? I mean, you could say, well, wait, that's Jesus operating in his deity, the, feeling the sense of the power being drawn out, maybe. Uh, we're, we're studying right now how Jesus operated the humanity, but but uh, as I meet with people, the power gets drawn out of me. Uh, it, it, there's a, a an emotional investment. There is, um, which, which affects the physiology, which affects the body. Uh, and power is drawn out, and Jesus just simply knew that something had happened. He was aware. He 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 was tuned in by the Spirit to uh, people's desire. He was tuned in by the Spirit to to people's faith, and he was tuned into this woman. Now he he wasn't tuned in enough that he actually knew who it was because he had to turn around and say, "Who touched my clothes?" It says it right there. Now some would say. Uh, he's asking the question here in verse 30, who touched my clothes, because he's wanting to get the person to acknowledge that it was her. I believe that is part of the case. I believe that there that there is truth to that. I also believe that he's he maybe wasn't sure because he had laid aside uh, access to his deity. He may actually not have known, have known exactly who it was who touched his clothing. So both can be true. He, he said, who touched my clothes? Because he's wanting the woman to fess up. But then also uh, saying, uh, who touched my clothes? Because he needed, uh, he just wasn't sure who it was. And the disciples, even in verse 31, said, you see the people and the uh, people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? Um, and Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and noticed what it says of her. 
she fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. And his response, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. So here's this woman with this, this blood issue. Uh, she, she has this blood issue for 12 years. She's continued to bleed nonstop for 12 years. Uh, it was embarrassing. It was um, perhaps made her ill, uh, uh, drew out the iron from her system, uh, all, all the ramifications of that. And she was made well. Jesus can deal with issues of blood. Jesus can deal with issues of cancer. Jesus can deal with issues of knees that are healed in such a way that one would go into McDonald's and give public testimony, moving that leg back and forth and talking about how God healed their knee, which is in the comments here, and um, to give that testimony. But what would God do for you? What does your faith need to trust Christ for today? He called this woman to response. He called her to kneel. The, the man earlier, Jairus, earlier here in this passage, fell at his feet. Now we see this woman falling at his feet. And, and the question that we would ask ourselves is, what about us? I know I've asked this already this morning, but I come back to it again. Uh, to it again, are we willing to fall at the feet of Jesus? Now we could say fall is a um, it's just an illustration. It's a symbol. It's a metaphor. To fall at his feet is metaphorical for praying to God. I think they actually literally physically fell at the feet of Jesus, and that would be the call uh, of our lives as well to fall at the feet of Jesus. And to hear the Lord say, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. I'm going to pray right now. This is, this is unusual for me, but I'm going to pray <clears throat> for you. Lord, I pray that there are people in our midst, uh, people who maybe are listening live, people who might listen at a later time, who need your touch. We come before you and ask that your faith would heal people. <clears throat> Excuse me. There are people who need uh, healed uh, emotionally. There are people who need healing mentally. There are people who need physical healing. There are people who need relational healing. Lord, we come before you asking you, the healer, that you would intervene, that you would uh, bring healing into our lives. There are people among us who are fighting cancer. There are uh, of different varieties. Uh, there are those that are fighting issues of blood. There are those that are uh, fighting financial battles. There are those that are fighting discouragement. There are those that are fighting um, depression. Lord, it is my prayer this morning. We come together before you in the name of Jesus and ask that you would uh, respond to our faith. Lord, that you would respond to our faith and bring your healing, that you would respond to our faith and bring your answer, that you would respond to our faith and bring your provision. 
Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm not done with the broadcast yet, folks. Give me just a few more minutes. We're going to finish out this section because not only did we read about the woman being healed, uh, we read about how in uh, verse 34, he says, Daughter, your faith is healed. You go in peace, be freed from suffering. Then verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and they said, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? And ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. We are called to belief. He did not uh, let anyone follow him except Peter, James, John, the brother James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw the commotion. People were weeping and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. Now, now maybe she actually was only asleep. Maybe she was in such a physical condition that, that maybe she hadn't quite died yet, but, but maybe looked like she was dead. We don't know. So, some would say that that could be the case. But they laughed at him, and after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and disciples who were with him went in where the child was, and he said to her, little girl, I say to you, get up. Talitha Kuom, little girl, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and he, they, he told them to give her something to eat. Dead, not dead. Certainly everybody thought she was dead. They were weeping, wailing. She, she certainly looked dead. And if she wasn't dead, to immediately, uh, at the command of Jesus, to get up on her feet completely well, that's miraculous. If she was dead and Christ awakened her from the dead, that is miraculous. My question for you, my question for me today is, what can your Jesus do? For you. Now, when I say your Jesus, <clears throat> what I really mean by, by your Jesus is, is the question, the Jesus of the Bible. I mean, are you willing to allow Jesus to be the Jesus of the Bible in your life? The Jesus who, who perhaps would bring healing to you, the, the, uh, the Jesus who perhaps in, in some measure would raise something which has been dead uh, and or ill. There are ministries that are that way, ministries that are dead or ministries that are ill, that God would resurrect them and do something miraculous. What is it that we need to ask God to do at Veracity Chapel? All kinds of things. So uh, we, we round out this morning. There There is a prayer request. Uh, I have a prayer request. Please pray for my sister and my family. Another brother-in-law passed away. Uh so we, we, we need to pray for Jessica's family. This has been a, a tough, 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 tough year with so much loss and how that can impact the soul. So uh, we, we pray about that. And, the, and I'm going to pray in a moment, pray our way out. And one, one other comment, Walter makes this uh, uh this statement. Uh, Jairus showed great faith, but also great 
bravery being a leader in the synagogue, he risks his position. What are we willing to risk to trust Jesus as well? Just a thought. Good thought, uh, Walter. Much appreciated. Lord, hear our prayers. There are silent requests. There are requests for comfort. Uh, families who are, are being impacted by death yet again. We pray that you would be the God of all comfort in their circumstance, in their situation. We, we lift them to you. May they experience your nearness. Lord, for Don's silent request, you know what's on his heart. Would you hear his prayer? Lord, for, for the needs of ministries, the needs of Rassy Chapel, the needs of Fairhaven Camps, the, the needs of um, New England Bible College, the needs of uh, the Neighborhood House, the needs of uh, so many, so many ministries. Uh, Lord, would you hear our prayer? Help us to do the work of ministry regardless of what the resources are, trusting in you for what you would do. Father, it is our prayer that you would hear our prayer today. That we ask in Jesus' name and, and all God's people said, Lord, hear our prayer.